Business Value Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition their business on their terms. Our mission was born from the lessons we've learned from over 100 business transactions, which fuels our desire to share our experiences and wisdom so you can succeed. Now, here's your host, CEO of Mastery Partners, Tom Bronson. Hi, this is Tom Bronson, and welcome to Maximize Business Value, a podcast for business owners who are passionate about building long-term sustainable value in your business. The employee uh, retention credit is the tax credit of a lifetime. Now, unfortunately, whenever there is free money, scams are always not far behind. So in this episode, I'd like to welcome our guest, Lindsay Pollock, who is partner at the Tax Credit Collective. Uh, And this is Lindsay's second appearance on our podcast. You can go all the way back to episode number six. uh, If you'd like to see more content about tax credits, it's a great episode. I would encourage you to go back and do that. Uh, But today we're going to talk about these scams uh, that that we're seeing around the employee um, retention credit or ERC. So, hey, welcome back to Maximize Business Value, Lindsay. Thank you, Tom. I can't believe we started in the single digits and here we are in the triple digits back together again. Well, I'm not going to wait until we have four digits to have you back. We'll have you back again uh, while we're still in the three digits. But I know it's sort of amazing, isn't it? We first had a conversation coming on almost three years ago uh, that uh, first appeared here. So now it's exciting to have you back. So so tell us, though, a little bit about the Tax Credit Collective, which is your organization. Sure. So my business partner and I founded Tax Credit Collective a few years ago, and we're here in the Dallas area. We specialize in tax credits and incentives. We eat, sleep, and breathe tax credits. We help small to mid-sized businesses and their CPAs get a hold of specialized federal dollars that they may not know that they otherwise have missed. And the ERC is not the only credit that we do work on, but it certainly is a hot topic right now. So I'm here to talk with you about it. Yes, absolutely. You know, of course, I would encourage our uh, listeners to go back to episode six and learn more about things. But but um, what Lindsay and her partner do are uh, really um, bring big business services to small businesses because big businesses look for these kind of things all the time. But most small businesses don't even know what kind of tax credits there might be out there. So I would encourage you to jump out and uh, and talk with Lindsay. We'll give you contact information uh, toward the end here. Let's get into these ERC. So what is going on in the tax incentive world lately with the employee retention credit or ERC? Sure. So the ERC was signed into law a couple of years ago, came about with the American Rescue Plan, and it was expanded with the Consolidated Appropriations Act. It is a refundable payroll tax credit that after several iterations of law is now worth up to $26,000 per employee that a business retained on the payroll during qualifying periods of time during the pandemic. You can do the math in your head. Uh, This is worth quite a bit of money to a business and it's cash to the business. So uh, it's very valuable money that a lot of businesses do qualify for. And because of that, we want to make sure that everybody hears about it. But at the same time, 
you know, whenever there's free money, there's bad actors that are going to follow, that are going to jump into the space to get onto this bandwagon. And that's what we see happen lately. Uh, you've got people that have no prior tax incentive expertise or experience. Maybe you've got people that have great MLM marketing backgrounds. And so they're great at sales and marketing, but not a lot of um, meat to back up what they do. So uh, we we find very often that we come behind some of these other people into conversations with CFOs and business owners who have been told that they're eligible for millions of dollars. And we get in there and start digging around and figure out that it it's not quite as golden as things looked initially and um, we need to reveal that to people when we can. Of course, I, I've been reading about this because I'm I, I read and listen to a lot of stuff of the the ERCs. I'm still astounded at the number of business owners who have no idea uh, what this is. But it, is it is it over? Is the pro, ha, hasn't everyone already gotten the money that they're going to get out of the ERCs? You know, a lot of people have already gotten this. Um, larger businesses hopped on this pretty quickly. Um, people that had uh, outside expertise working with them to get this, they they got a hold of the money. But we're still finding lots of different niches and industries that just haven't vetted it out, haven't heard about it. Maybe they were told originally that they didn't qualify because the rules were different a year or two ago. And that we've gone through several different iterations of uh, regulations and guidance around this credit. So it's changed so many times that people may be under the old assumption that they didn't qualify when in fact they very well may. Interesting. So, so it's still open and open for business, if you will. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely have uh, into about the middle of 2023 for certain periods of time. And then as we go through 2023, we get into uh, additional periods of time that can go up to five years uh, from 2021. So th- we've got several more years to go where people could still get a hold of this money that's been signed into law. So how complicated is uh, the ERC? And and why don't businesses just handle it for themselves, just fill out the paperwork and go do it themselves? Yeah. So, um, so it is accessed by amending a payroll tax return or payroll tax returns. And so if you think about, you know, I'm just filling in a form, putting some numbers on a form, that's not too hard. But then when you dig into, um, you know, the, the 200 plus pages of law and guidance, uh, multiple FAQs and, and different scenarios that the IRS has presented on this credit, it's a lot more complicated than it looks. Um, there are no double dipping rules uh, called denials of double benefit between the employee retention credit and other tax credits, such as the research and development tax credit, which our firm does quite a bit of work on, um, such as the work opportunity tax credit. There's a big no double dipping rule with PPP funds. And if you think about all the businesses that got PPP loans during the pandemic, that's a lot of folks. So when you get into the details of this credit, the calculation itself can be very complicated, uh, especially you know wanting to maximize the credit when you have PPP interplay. And then the whole other side of this is the qualification rules. Uh, one side of rules is based on gross receipts tests, and that can be done by analysis of gross receipts and spreadsheeting and that sort of thing. But the second way that a business can qualify is due to a more than nominal impact due to federal, state, or local uh, governmental mandates that that limited commerce, travel, and gathering. And so when you start getting into things like more than nominal impacts, 
Um, you have to start digging into the various mandates at the state or county or town or city level uh, and really start to see how they impacted each particular taxpayer. Every single business has a different set of facts and circumstances that has to be looked at up against the law. And so I can get really tricky and, um, you know, a business owner that hasn't had time to digest all of this reading material, that's so very interesting um, that, you know, they just, they don't really know what all the rules are. Well, you just explained it so easily and simply, and I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> that's that's <Not> sad. <laughs> Uh, because there are, it does sound uh, fairly complicated. It's not really straightforward. Um, and uh, I, you know, like, like with anything, it pays to have somebody who knows what they're doing uh, to help you out with this. So who are the players in what I guess we'd call the provider space, people who help um, uh, businesses identify these ERCs? Yeah. So um, a lot of the bigger, you know, the big eight, big 10 accounting firms um, may be involved in this for their clients. They're taking a look at it. Uh, more regional accounting firms may help their clients or they may not. Um, often, you, you know, you may want a tax attorney like we have uh, at our firm to take a look at the work and, and the mandates to see um, how they how they stack up against the law. Uh, you have other tax credits and incentives shops like ours that do a fine job and uh, you know we're, we're proud to be associated with them in our space. And then you have these uh, what I call ERC mills that have just popped up out of the woodwork since the pandemic began and this particular tax credit came to light. And these mills are putting a lot of money behind Robo dialers, uh, people on the phone, just looking to sign deals. And when you get on the phone with them, uh, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of calls from these ERC mills. I get a lot of voicemails from them, text messages, even telling them I'm, you know, telling me I'm eligible for money. When you get on the phone with them, it becomes very apparent that uh, they have very little understanding of how the law is written. And uh, unfortunately they don't have, in, in many cases, any other tax incentive experience or, or background. So you know, one wonders, are they going to be here and be around for the duration of this once this opportunity is over, um, when the IRS, you know, potentially comes knocking and asking questions? So so these uh, mills, uh, as you call them, the ERC mills, um, are, are business owners paying them a fee to do this work and then and then potentially out of business or whatever, and then and the opportunity is gone. Do they? Is this the kind of thing that I'm not sure I'm even uh, making any sense here, Lindsay? But is this the kind of thing that business owners pay a fee to go after, or is it um, a uh, a success fee uh, that uh, that most of these folks are getting? Does that make sense? It's very common. Yeah, it does. It's very common in the tax incentive space for a provider for a tax incentive firm to charge a success-based percentage of the credits that they find for a client. Um, and, you know, I had talked before, you know, with these mills, what are the questions that a business owner should be asking to determine, you know, is this ERC provider legit? Do they know what they're doing? Are they the best, most trustworthy firm that I can work with? And, uh, you know, other than vetting out their previous tax incentive experience, it's in the terms of the engagement. It's looking into what is included in the service and in the fee that you're going to pay. And the, the two or three big red flags that I currently see 
uh, at looking at contracts from these mills is that often uh, a determination of eligibility, so figuring out if the client is even eligible, that is often pushed back on the taxpayer, on the client, and they're supposed to self-determine their eligibility. So again, you have a taxpayer that hasn't read the law, hasn't read the IRS guidance. They don't understand the ins and outs of the credit, and they're having to decide for themselves whether they're eligible. Well, that's what your provider should be doing. And then on the back end, um, in many cases, there is no or very little audit defense that the provider is given. The IRS has up to five years to audit these claims, and with the money uh, that they've been given uh, $80 billion in funding, uh, this is a very high priority for the IRS to take a look at ERC claims and identify fraudulent claims and claw back those dollars that they've paid out already. So um, making sure that whoever you're working with provides audit defense uh, should the IRS ever question your claim is key. And this puts some skin in the game for the provider to make sure that the work that they're doing is, is going more likely than not going to stand up uh, under examination. Wow. Um, now, is there, I know with like the PPP, um, they said early on, you know, it, up to $2 million, there's a very low uh, likelihood of an audit, but beyond 2 million or whatever the number was, uh, I can't, it's, for some reason, 2 million sticks out. Then there's a high likelihood of an audit on this. Is the ERC the same thing? Is there like this threshold or that the bigger it is, the more likely it'll trigger an audit? So it's it's really unclear um, where that's going to fall right now, especially with the changes at the service. I will tell you, though, that claims, uh, ERC claims that are over $200,000 per quarter go to the National Review Office up front. They get a lot of additional scrutiny on the front end uh, before those claims are paid out. But claims under $200,000 per quarter do not get that very lengthy scrutiny. So it's my personal suspicion that it's the smaller claims that may get looked at down the road uh, rather than the larger ones. Interesting. Interesting. Now, you know, you, you mentioned that some of these uh, mills are out robo dialing and whatnot. Heck, I've I think I've had three of them call my cell phone since we've been on this uh, dialogue. So, uh, you know, I'm get, we all get spam calls, right? We all get those things. But let's say that somebody gets through to you through an email or through uh, through uh, a telephone call or whatever. Are there some ways that? some some questions you can ask or the ways that you can identify whether or not you're talking to one of these mills or talking to a specialist like you guys? Yeah. Find out who works there. Do they have any tax attorneys on staff? Do they have any CPAs? Do they have any prior tax incentive experience? Have they done anything besides ERC work? Do they have any other uh, you know things in their past that they've done successfully? Um, do they do a full legal determination of eligibility for you as a client? Is that written into their contract? Do they provide audit defense? Um, I spoke with one of these mills on the phone and I asked her, she was trying to sell me on the service. And I asked her, what happens if I get an audit letter uh, and you've done this work for me? And she said, we'll be there for you, ma'am. I said, cool. What does that mean? She said, well, we'll, we'll give you your documents back so you can use them. 
Uh, and I said, but are you going to engage a licensed attorney to go toe to toe with the IRS for me? And she said, oh, no, you'll have to hire a tax attorney for that. Right. So, um, you know, this will be there for you. We'll provide reasonable efforts to give you your documents. Um, that's nice, but you need a lot more than that in an audit. I, I tell, well, let's talk about that. So, so, you know, we've talked a lot about this kind of audit defense, and I know that you guys offer that uh, at, at your firm. So, why do why do you talk about that so much? Well, uh, first of all, we're in the business of not just finding our clients' money, but helping them keep that money. Mm. And when you're talking about tax credits, um, that if you have to pay them back, can have penalties and interest associated with them that can accrue over a five year period. You're talking a lot of uh, of money. You know, paying back the credits that you got, maybe that you weren't eligible for, that were fraudulently filed, plus all of all of this interest. Um, it's a lot of money to come out of the pocket of a small business owner. So we want to make sure on the front end of every one of these studies that we believe that they're eligible so that we can successfully defend them on the back end. Um, you know, it's in their best interest. It's in our best interest. Uh, you know, to do what's right for the client and and to do our very best, you know, according to what we know and have read and have studied out uh, to put them in the best possible tax position. That's what their CPA wants for them as well. Um, we'd be letting those CPAs down if we weren't providing that full service, we feel like. Yep, I like it. I have I have a new term for you. You should use the, I have no charge on this, Lindsay, for your uh, uh, eligible and defensible. <laughs> yeah, I like that word. I like the word defensible. Yep. Yep. Because that's if they're just filing and, and, you know, what, what we would call, you know, uh, praying and spraying, right? Just uh, audit lotto is what we call it in our industry. What do you call it? Audit lotto. Audit lotto. I like that. Um, so, yeah, then, then you wouldn't even, your firm wouldn't even, um, file something if you didn't feel like it was defensible. So uh, that to me is, uh, is a key, key differentiator. So, and so you said, you said that we offer audit defense. I would, I would go a step further and say that we include it in all of these engagements. Oh, it's a, all right. So it's, that's an automatic include inclusion. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cause you guys have tax attorney on staff, don't you? Right. Yeah. So, Lindsay, you talked about how complicated this is and kind of the government mandates, but what are you seeing in the provider space right now related to qualifications tied to these mandates? Yeah, it's a good question, Tom, and it's something that's being talked about a fair amount in the tax space with concern for ver from various CPAs, is that uh, some ERC providers are creating these gross overqualifications of ERC eligibility that are tied to supply chain disruption. And as, as we all know, there's been a fair amount of supply chain disruption during the pandemic and, and even still today. Uh, and it was caused by a, a conflagration of different events that were going on during 2020 and 2021. But the fact of the matter is that the way that the IRS guidance is written around this topic is that if you're looking for supply chain disruption, it still has to be tied back to a mandate, an enforceable mandate at the government level in the United States. And so, you know, looking into the details of what was going on at the particular port 
where the materials were coming in during that time frame and how that impacted or didn't impact their eligibility is critical here. So, um, you know, sometimes you'll see questionnaires, ERC questionnaires that these mills will send around and say, you know, did you suffer supply chain disruption? If so, tick here, you may be eligible. Um, sometimes we also see uh, questions related to employees. Did you have a tough time retaining or finding employees during the pandemic? Check here. You might be eligible for the ERC. So we're seeing a lot of stuff that people are throwing out there saying that people qualify by and reading through the law and the guidance time and time again um, seems to be some real broad strokes that are being painted here where there just may not be anything there at all, unfortunately. So it does sound complicated. And frankly, what I was hoping that you would tell us today was that there's a cookie cutter approach. But what I'm hearing is it's really every business. You need to look at it very specifically. Is that what I'm hearing? It's a very granular approach for every single taxpayer in their county with their specific situation and all the things that happened during that time frame. Um, there is no one size fits all with this, unfortunately, from the mandate perspective. Wow. So um, before I wrap up with a, with a couple of questions, this has been highly educational um, for me and I'm sure for our listeners. Is there, is there any area that you feel like uh, if you've, you've selected somebody and now you got the fine print. Is there any area you feel like you should really look at before signing with an ERC provider? You know, I think uh, when it comes to our medical health, most people are about getting a second opinion uh, before we do something drastic. And I think it's the same way with, with tax incentives. Um, yes, it's free money, but you want to make sure that you're eligible before you put yourself in that position. So get a second opinion. Um, I'm, I'm brought in many times as a second opinion, and sometimes I don't give the best of news during those calls. Um, and, and whether you use our firm or not, we're glad to take a look at it for you and, and let you know what we see. But I think that's important to do. I think that's brilliant. I think that is uh, brilliant. You know, it's funny. I was just, I had a conversation with somebody over lunch today about the value of their business. And <laughs> somebody had said, told them using a, an antiquated methodology that their business was worth, you know, six or $7 million. And I said, it's really worth about two and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's why, you know, that's, it, it pays to get that second opinion. That by the way, is one of the leading causes of, of failure when it comes time for businesses to transition. But today we're talking about keeping your money in and putting more money in your pocket. So we've done this before and I should have gone back to listen to episode six uh, to find out what your advice was then, but I didn't do that, but I'll compare the two maybe this week on my newsletter. Uh, so one last business question. This podcast is all about maximizing business value. What is the one most important thing you would recommend business owners do to build long-term long sustainable value in their business? Well, I have to talk about tax credits and incentives, right? Because this is a very overlooked area that businesses can bring additional cash flow to their business. Uh, there's over 10,000 various incentives at the federal, state, and local level across the United States. We're not experts in all 10,000 of them. There's a few specific areas that we are. And I think it's always a great idea to just take a look at what's out there, see if there's any low-hanging fruit that you may be leaving on the vine that could bring additional value to your business. 
And it may even like make you look uh, more attractive to a potential buyer down the road when they know that you've done your due diligence on credits and incentives. Absolutely. And by the way, this money flows straight to the bottom line. So, uh, so uh, take advantage of that because it does improve the value of the business. All right. Bonus question. Uh, what personality trait has gotten you into the most trouble through the years, Lindsay? Ask anyone who knows me and they will tell you that my facial expressions during meetings or conversations, I am, I am an open book with my face. So have to work really hard at, at um, reining that in. That's funny. So, uh, so you have no poker face. <laughs> I love to play poker, but I got no poker face. Wow. That's funny. That's funny. So how can our viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Find me on LinkedIn. My name is Lindsay Pollock, P-O-L-Y-A-K. Uh, check out our website, taxcreditcollective.com and uh, connect with us there. That's awesome. So thank you, Lindsay. You've been a wonderful guest and thank you for the education that you've provided today. Yes, sir. You can find Lindsay, Lindsay Pollock at uh, on LinkedIn or at our website, the taxcreditcollective.com. But the easiest way to find her is to reach out to me and I will be happy to make a warm introduction to my good friend, Lindsay Pollock. This is the Maximize Business Value Podcast, where we give practical advice to business owners on how to build long-term sustainable value in your business. Even during challenging times like this, when people are trying to steer you the wrong direction. Be sure to tune in each week and follow us whenever, wherever you found this podcast. Be sure to comment. We love your comments and we will respond to them all. Until next time, I'm Tom Bronson reminding you to protect your business from potential fraud around anything, but right now, particularly these ERC credits while you maximize business value. Thank you for tuning in to the Maximize Business Value podcast with Tom Bronson. This podcast is brought to you by Mastery Partners, where our mission is to equip business owners to maximize business value so they can transition on their terms. Learn more on how to build long-term sustainable business value and get free value-building tools by visiting our website, www.masterypartners.com. That's master with a Y, masterypartners.com. Check it out. That was perfect. I wouldn't make any changes on that.